Hi, and welcome to the Well-Read Podcast, a bi-weekly discussion on books and reading. I'm Hallie. And I'm Anne. And we are librarians who love to read and talk about books. And today we are talking about books we're excited to read. And <laughs> that could mean one of many things. Uh, it could mean upcoming publications that aren't out yet that we're excited to read, or it could maybe mean books that we just haven't had a chance to get to yet. So yeah. we are in recording this in mid-November, and as of January, I will be done with the commitment that I have that I've talked about for the last four years. <laughs> uh, well, we weren't recording for all four years, but uh, I've been on this committee that now Anne and I are on together, and I will be done in January, and four years is the maximum that you can be a member of this committee. So I am starting to look ahead at that day <laughs> when I don't have this committee um, commitment that I have and starting to think about Oh, what books will I want to read? Or will I even want to read? Maybe I won't want to read for a little while. Uh, so this idea came to my mind of it might be fun to talk about books we're, we're just excited about, genuinely excited about reading. And maybe in my mind, it was the idea of I don't have to read a book. I'm just going to be excited to read the book. Right. But we also didn't get a chance to, because we were on hiatus, to do a book preview. Right. Which we do really enjoy doing. And we do get a lot of feedback from, from people that they um, that they uh, find those valuable. And yeah. so so we're sort of splitting the difference, I guess, yes. where we can, we can talk about books that have come out or talk, talk about books that are forthcoming and right. um, hopefully give people some good ideas. Yeah. And we will be doing one of our book preview episodes in a few months. It won't be too yeah. long before we'll talk. And I'm sure in the coming months, we'll talk about lots of books that are brand new. So for sure. Um, so that'll be good. All right. Well, I don't think we have much else to say about that. I think we could just start with our, our first book. Ooh, can I say quickly that oh, sure. I, I can walk? <gasps> yes, yes. Because the last time we recorded, it was the day before you went to the doctor. Yeah. Yes. And they said, yes, you can walk. And also, um, you don't have to even wear a boot. And I was all, wait, what? You can just walk like a tiny baby deer. <laughs> Is that what you felt like? Yeah, I, I still had to use uh, my bionic peg leg to get home yeah. because I hadn't brought shoes with me. Oh, <laughs> so, um, and so the, I took my first step in my apartment and I just basically, I caught myself from falling down because it was, oh my gosh. It was completely. It well, it's been, boring. what, two and a half months or something? Yeah. Yeah, wow. That's a long time to not walk. Well, we are all very happy you are walking again. Yes, especially me. <laughs> you are the most, and Joseph is pretty happy. Yeah, he's happy. It's still yeah. slow going, but it's it's a lot yeah. easier. So yeah. um, oh, also good. thanks to everyone who reached out about uh, wishing me well and yes. things that they said about my mom and, and just it's been, we've gotten a, really, a lot of really nice responses from, yes. from our last episode. So, um, okay, going into it. Uh, my first book is The Maid by Anita Prose, and this is- Oh, I almost chose this one. <laughs> Did I save you last night when I messaged you and said No, I had already decided. No, I had ar actually already decided on others, but I did have this on my kind of short oh, list good. in my head of ones to discuss. Yeah. We were just saying how we've ha we've both had really busy weeks and normally we put together sort of an, an outline ahead of time so that we can uh, make sure that we don't talk about the same books and I haven't had a chance to do that and so I just messaged and said, "This is what I'm doing." And and Hallie said, "Okay, I won't do those books." <laughs> 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 yeah yeah no, sorry go ahead yeah continue so, uh, it's about a woman named molly gray and she's 25 and works as a maid in an upscale hotel 
and she has always had trouble interpreting social cues but she had a grandmother who was very beloved to her who helped her navigate the world and she sort of developed these codes that helped molly navigate um life and so she uh has her grandmother has recently passed away and so she's had to learn to adapt for herself and it's go actually going really well and the work that she's doing suits her because she thrives on order and and etiquette so this kind of hotel in particular is is the perfect fit for her and so she's finding a lot of fulfillment and satisfaction in in her work but uh, that life that she's creating for herself as as a, a um, individual adult is ruined when she discovers the body of an inf infamous man named Charles Black in the bed of, of one of her rooms and the police pinpoint her as their lead suspect and really they're just um, from it sounds like from the description they're targeting her for not behaving as they would expect from someone but it's it's totally normal for the way that her own mind works so she has to save herself from from the situation and doesn't really have the tools to do it but there are a group of people that sort of come together to help her and act as a found family to support her and and help her to figure out what to do um so i love that this is a new take on the locked room mystery um i love locked room mysteries so I love that this is a new take on the locked room mystery, which is already a favorite of, of mine. There's there's nothing that's as intriguing for a mystery reader, I think, than a locked room mystery. Um, and it, it's incorporating di incorporating diversity and class into that, that standard formula, which um, we've said many, many times that we both love books that are about the, the wealthy, but really what I'm looking for is commentary on wealth. So I love that this book is giving me that. I will also say that neurodivergent mysteries aren't common, and I don't know that I've ever seen one that has a woman as the main, main character. Um, there are a couple of, of, or at least one series, um, and I can think of a couple of individual books where they have a neurodivergent uh, main character, but they're all men. And so I thought that this really stood out as, as something fresh and new. Another thing to know about this book is that it was purchased in an auction that was very, very heated, and it has already been optioned for a film that stars Florence Pugh, and I like her as an actress quite a bit, so I think that it will be uh, a great movie and hopefully book, and that is The Maid by Anita Prose. Uh, so I like Florence Pugh. The only thing I know her from is Little Women, but I love that her in that movie we talked about She's it. She's so great. Yes. Also, I'm going to apologize to everybody for the sound. <laughs> that was I had the wrong microphone uh input into our little system here so hopefully it's better now okay so my first book is olympus texas by stacy swan this is a book that came out earlier this year i'm not exactly sure when and i heard about it on a podcast that i've talked about many times called from the front porch i get so many great book recommendations from them it's the owner of an independent bookstore in georgia uh who does this podcast and she talked about it and at the time she talked about it i thought this sounds just such like a book I would love, but it doesn't really fit into uh, our the reading list committee genres. And so I was like, will I be able to fit it in? And so I, I actually looked at it at the library and it's kind of a big, thick, not a huge book, but probably like four to 500 pages. And mm -hmm. I just thought, oh, we have so much to read for our committee. And I didn't think that fitting something like that, that in made sense. So it is going at kind of the very top of my list to read when when I have a bit more freedom. So it sounds like a sweeping family saga, which I really like those. Uh, the description says it weaves elements of classical mythology with a modern family drama. And um, which just seems interesting, like doesn't seem like something you see every day. 
Uh, it is about a family called the Briscoes who live in a, a small town in Texas called Olympus, Texas. And are um, they're pretty well known in the small town because uh, I get the impression they're wealthy and they, um, they own some businesses, so people know them. But people also know them because the father of the family has had many affairs and it's well known that he has these indiscretions oh, and that his wife kind of turns a blind eye to them. They have three grown children. This whole book takes place over the course of a week when one of the adult children returns home for the first time after it's been discovered that he had an affair with his brother's wife. So Yay. it's the first time they're all seeing each other is my impression. I feel like this is just kind of the story I like. It's like juicy and messy and the people are flawed, but you're still really invested in what happens to them. Um, and... I already put it on hold at the library, so it'll be ready. Like, I have it set with my dates for, so it'll come up, you know, it'll be available hopefully in January so I can read it. Uh, one of the descriptions I read said something about it for fans of Succession, which I don't know, if, I don't know if that's really your kind of show, Anne, but I love that show. It's about this super wealthy family that um, owns a media conglomerate, and they're always, like, backstabbing and, and infighting and, it's always you you're they're always questioning like if if their family members love them or hate them kind of thing and so i mm -hmm. thought oh this is this is right up my alley so that is olympus texas by stacy swan i very much want to watch succession and um so yeah we'll yeah. have to watch it and then we can talk about yes, it. yes it's good yeah we got into it we just watched it during you know, the last year or year and a half or so during kind of quarantine times during pandemic times we watched it and we were able to watch two seasons right all at once because they were already released and mm -hmm. um, we really really like it. it's good it's good drama it's lots of good drama yeah 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 it almost reminds me of a play or something or or a, oh, like a good book like the the way the relationships and the dialogue and stuff reminds me sort of of not a tv show in a, in a weird way oh okay yeah. interesting anyway all right what's your next one um, I realized that all of mine are forthcoming and I didn't put the dates that any oh. of them are coming out. So soon? <laughs> Sometime in the future? Yeah. We did say that we wouldn't do anything before March. Right. Because then our next book preview will start with After March. March. So yeah. So yeah. sometime then or, you know, before March, or March 1st is when the, these books are coming out. Um, so the next book I picked is Yerba Buena by Nina LaCour. And I've gushed about her books in the past. And this is her adult debut with a giant first print run. So I have really high expectations for this doing well. Um, if you've read any of her other books, this one will sound familiar with the, the kinds of themes that she she um, uses. Mm -hmm. It's about a woman named Sarah Foster who ran away from home at the age of 16. And she had a really terrible situation with with her home life and she has a lot that she's still working through um in in dealing with that personally and then years later she has become a high-end bartender in LA and she's well known for having these signature cocktails that she makes and also for being very opaque and she sort of has developed this air of mystery um about her um so also living in LA is a woman named Emily Dubois, who is sort of stuck in her life. She has been in college way longer than she should have been, which was something that I identify with. And so that also makes me want to read this. Um, and she's changed her majors f five times. And so she's really searching for something that will give her meaning in life. And she, at some point she realizes that really what she wants is the community of her Creole family, but she is unable to make, um, 
really any commitments in life and so that's that just sort of feels out of reach to her so she decides on a whim to take a job as a flower arranger at the trendy restaurant Yerba Buena that is sort of hot the hot ticket right now and she becomes involved with the married owner um in a in a sexual affair so when Sarah and Emily meet they have an instant connection but they're both caring a lot that prevents them from starting a relationship and that has to be resolved somehow so they keep trying and failing but they always come back to each other and they have to decide how to reconcile their pasts um in order to have the future that they ultimately want together so I'm I'm I think I've talked about two of Nina LaCour's books on mm-hmm. on the podcast before. Um, and I'm just always amazed at how how the, the quality of her writing, there's sort of this this stillness to it mm-hmm. that sort of feels really special to me. Um, I don't really know how to describe it other than than quiet. And I love the way that she writes L.A. in her books. And mm-hmm. so there's sort of that weird juxtaposition of a crazy giant city with this mm-hmm. this really introspective um, aspect to her books so i'm curious to see what she does differently when she's writing for adults than than teens because her her teen books have that quality and so um how will she elevate that into or i shouldn't say elevate that implies one is better than right, the other right, but right. but how will she she uh make that into an adult uh novel so that is yerba buena by nina lacour yeah i think Quiet was the word, or yeah, that was sort of what I was thinking as you were talking about her writing style, sort of like simple but powerful or something. I don't know. Yeah. 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 She's great. All right. So my next, so I went with three books that were already out because as I said, I'm, I can taste January coming (laughs) and thinking about all the books that I could read. And so I, I focused on three books that have come out recently that I just, didn't get a chance to get to for whatever reason. Uh, so the next one is Battle Royal by Lucy Parker. And this is a romance. And I've read almost all of Lucy Parker's books and really, really loved them all. She combines uh, humor with her romance in a really, really seamless way. Um, and the thing I love most is she writes truly excellent banter between the characters. There's such spark to the, to the conversations that happen and the dialogue that happens. So this one I actually have. I we we received a copy to consider for for the reading list. Uh, I just haven't I hadn't got I haven't gotten to it. It just was one that we have stacks and stacks of books in our houses, mm-hmm. um, and so you just can't read them all, unfortunately, even though we'd like to. So um, so again, this is one that I'm going to prioritize as soon as I as soon as I can. Um, it is set around the filming of a reality baking show, which obviously. <laughs> Obviously, we are here for Um, the premise is that the heroine was a contestant on the show and she got voted off by this kind of curmudgeonly judge named Dominic, uh, who because she made something that kind of exploded all over him uh, because it it went wrong. Uh, And so uh, he he seems like he's kind of a no nonsense classic purist baker where he uh sticks to to just you know the tried and true very classic i my impression is almost like french baking or something like that whereas um sylvie the main character the approach the heroine she loves whimsical fun bakes you know she thinks about like the inspiration behind it and all these different things so they just come at things from a very different perspective so after, the, after she was kicked off the show a few years before, she opened her own bakery. And they're constantly coming up against each other, 
because he has a bakery as well and they're constantly coming up against each other to compete to see who can get big event contracts like who can do the baking you know the big um cakes or whatever for for different events and dominic always seems to sort of edge her out so four years later after she's been kicked off the show the show asks sylvie to come back as a judge now and not as a contestant anymore and so she she jumps at the opportunity because she thinks it's a good opportunity to promote her business her brand you know show off that her skills and her expertise as a as a baker um even if it does mean having to work closely with this guy that she kind of hates um at the same time, they're also both competing, not directly competing on the show, but um, the princess, the made-up princess, but the princess is, <laughs> is getting married. Um, and there's a question about who's going to get to bake her wedding cake, which is obviously going to get photographed a lot. And people are going to want that baker to make their cakes after the fact. So there's a sense of it's going to be between Dominic and Sylvie. And so there's this... Uh, there's the the workplace kind of tension because they're working together on the reality show but then there's also this tension that they're competing against each other for this very very big profile uh project that they could do that would really help their businesses um so it's gotten really great reviews um one even called out the zippy banter in it so it feels like this is definitely in line with the other lucy parker books i've read in the past Uh, i'm hoping actually maybe to try to squeeze this in before christmas if i can it feels like a good feel good fun romance to read especially i've talked in the past about around christmas i sometimes feel a little scatterbrained or like my attention uh, is pulled in many different directions and so reading a romance like this that'll just spend a couple of hours reading about you know a fun topic like a reality baking show and a romance sounds just kind of perfect to me Uh, so that is battle royal by lucy parker that does sound like perfect Christmas for Doesn't it? It's, it's yeah. not set at the holidays, I don't think. It's just it feels like Christmassy to me for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, that that was another um, definitely one that I pulled to to try to read Yeah. this yeah. year. Yeah. <sighs> Such great intentions. I have so many books and just not enough hours <laughs> in the day, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, well, that's a good segue into my next book because it is also food related. Oh, um, it is Body and Soul Food by Abby Collette. And this is a new series by the author of A Deadly Inside Scoop, which I have gushed about several yes, times yes. on this, this podcast and in real life. And it just sounds delightful to me. So it's about fraternal twins named Kobe and Keaton. Those are both K names. And they were like the Kardashians. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought of that, but yes. Um, and they they were orphaned at age two, and they were separated and raised apart, which is pretty reprehensible. Right. Um, actually, I haven't read this, so I don't, maybe there's reasons. I don't know, but it sounds reprehensible to me. Um, so thankfully, they've reconnected as adults, and they have a close relationship, and they want to make up for lost time, so they decide to open a combo bookstore and soul food cafe (gasps) right that's like the dream right called books and biscuits and it's in a small pacific northwest town called timberlake so they have they feel like this is this this exciting new beginning in their life but then kobe's foster brother is found murdered and it happened in public between light rail stops so it's actually kind of a, a another take on the locked room mystery which which is um no wonder i'm excited about this too um and this is already that that's a difficult situation of course um a really terrible situation and they already are really stretched thin because their cafe is set to open in a week and they just have so much at stake with with this business but because they're twins they can solve murders twice as fast as one person so they decide to do that 
So first things first, why doesn't this business exist? <laughs> it might. Have you Googled? Perhaps I, I haven't. Yeah, that's a good question. Because everyone talks about how their business, their dream business would be a bookstore slash yeah. whatever. And so, and I don't know, I don't know that I've ever heard anyone in my circle say soul food cafe. Mm. And I think that's an oversight, probably. I think it just sounds so delightful. Yeah. And um, I'm very rarely on Twitter, but I did happen to see when Abby Colette was crowdsourcing um, on her, her feed, what people would name a business yeah if it were a bookstore and a soul food restaurant uh, so it's really funny and and just exciting to see what came of that right that, right that she wrote her book like she i knew she was writing a book on it but i just to see how that played out is is really cool so her books are just charming and she's really really great at creating a specific sense of place mm -hmm. and i'm still just stoked as i'll get out about any diverse cozies yeah. that i can find yeah. so um, so this sounds really fun. And that is Body and Soul Food by Abby Collette. I just marked it as to read on Goodreads while you were there. All right. So my last one is Infinite Country by Patricia Angle. And this is another one that came out this year and it just didn't fit. It's literary fiction. And so that's just not in the realm of what we consider for the committee. So I just never had a chance to read it. But it's got lots and lots and lots of accolades. And so I'm, I'm eager to read it when I can. It is about a Colombian family that has been separated and, and are, they're all trying to come back together. Um, the, the parents of the family are Elena and Mauro or Moro, um, and they fell in love when they were teenagers and they have one child before fleeing to America to get away from the violence and unrest and poverty that they are facing in Bogota, Colombia. So they moved to Houston and um, have several more children and they overstay their visas. So they they came to the country, visitor visas, or I don't know what the right terminology would be, but they came and then they stayed because it was safer here than it was in their home country. And, and I get the impression they knew they were taking a risk, but they felt like it was important for their family to be here. And then Moro or Mauro, the father, gets deported when he is caught driving without a license um, because he's doesn't have you know proper paperwork to get a license so he's but he has to drive so um he gets deported and talia who is their youngest i think it's hard to tell from the descriptions but i think she gets deported with her father i i'm not sure about that but somehow she ends up in colombia back in colombia with her father and her mother and her sisters are in new jersey and right before talia is scheduled to leave colombia to go back to the states to to be reunited with her mother and her sisters, she commits a crime and is sent to a juvenile detention center that's that's awful. That's like a horrible place to be. So the story, I think, again, it's hard, some of it's hard to piece together from the reviews, but I, the story seems to follow Talia's journey as she attempts to escape from this detention center and find and reunite all of the rest of her family. Uh, so as I said, this got rave reviews. I would expect that we'll see it if on some best of the year lists. I'm not, I actually haven't looked to see if, if usually this is about the time you start seeing best of the year lists oh, yeah. come out. So I haven't actually looked to see if any have been published yet, but I would expect based on the, the praise that this book got when it came out that, that it will end up on some best of the year lists. And it, it's not necessarily the kind of book I usually read, but it's been so long since I've read a truly literary novel. I, you know, I've, I've mixed in some of my reading with what I would consider non-genre reading, or at least not genres that we read for the reading list committee. 
Mm-hmm. But I truly don't think I've read a literary novel in almost four years. Um, and so it just feels like a very timely story. And so it feels like kind of a good way to dip my toe back into those those sorts of books. And again, I always like to read when a book gets as much praise as I was reading when this this came out, about, I think, all the way back in January or February of this year. Uh, and it's just really piqued my interest to want to read it. So that is Infinite Country by Patricia Angle. It really does show how focused we are on on the committee when mm-hmm. it never has crossed my mind about end of year lists. Yeah. And and like yeah. that's part of my job. I, know. So I probably should get on that. The only end of year list that you will not enjoy seeing, I won't say that because I always enjoy lots of best of the year lists, but the Goodreads Choice Awards, yeah. you are going to feel so knowledgeable because <laughs> almost every category you'll have read the majority of the books. I mean, clearly there's, I think there's a poetry category and a memoir category. I mean, those categories yeah. you won't know, but the the genres that we do cover for yeah. uh, reading list, you you will kill those. Like, I, it's I so, so good about myself. Last year, I remember we sh- we were kind of having a chat on our work, like that we have some... T- channels on our teams at work where we can have more casual you know conversations and stuff so we're having conversations about the goodreads choice awards and all these coworkers of mine were saying i've only read two of the books that are on any of these lists and all this stuff and i was like oh you need to be on raving list if you want to read more of these because literally like for the thriller list or something i had read every single book that ended up being as oh part of the voting round so yeah uh, it does make you feel kind of in the know because you you basically only read books that come out this year so then right yeah when the books are being discussed for end of the year best of lists is, is obviously all this books that were published and that's not a usual i don't think for most people they only read books that come out right yeah it's currently you know so yeah. it's kind of fun anyway all right well we will be right back with what we're reading this week okay and what's the book you're reading this week um, this is one I actually finished, so I'm a liar, but it is Light from Un- Uncommon Stars by Raika Aoki, and um, I'm actually glad that I finished it because uh, before I talked about it because the ending was the best part of it, oh, and okay. so so that's sort of what what um, I, I already enjoyed it, but that, that elevated mm. it a lot for me. So it is a sci-fi novel, which is a shocker. And it's good for non-sci-fi readers like me because there's a lot going on that isn't part of the right, sci-fi plot. Right, right. But it's the sci-fi plot is still real; it's not fake. So don't think I'm trying to like pull something here. It's it's still valid. Yeah. So, um, so the, there's three women that this book revolves around, and they come into each other's lives and change them. And so I think we start with, um. A woman named or or girl named Katrina Nguyen who Mm -hmm. has just run away from home. Um, She lives in Oakland Mm -hmm. after a dangerous situation with her parents. And she is a trans queer girl who is also being threatened by her father for being interested in being a violinist. And um, so she goes to she, she she. kind of kind of through some various circumstances she she gets to LA to to basically live with a stranger that she's only met once before but he ends up being a sexual predator and she has to escape from him and so she um she leaves his house and she goes um to a park and starts to play the violin 
and a famous violin teacher named Shizuka Satomi hears her and she's completely transfixed by by what she's doing um she's playing something that isn't really common to hear with with um with young people and she's she's just very impressed by her and so she she says that she wants to become Katrina's teacher which Katrina is shocked by because she's basically self-taught and isn't classically based in in what she plays she's um she actually has a YouTube YouTube channel mm-hmm. where she plays violin versions of video game theme songs mm-hmm. and so that's sort of what she's um she's known for so um, what she doesn't know is that Shizuka is actually someone who has made a deal with the devil and she sold her soul for violent greatness 49 years ago, but it was contingent that she would deliver, deliver seven other souls to hell in those 49 years in order to get back her own soul. So she is kind of known for being eternally young and beautiful, like like unnaturally so, and she's called the queen of hell in the classical music world where she's very, very famous. So she has so far elevated six students to um, to greatness that is kind of impossible to attain, but time is running out on that last seventh student until she meets Katrina. So around the same time, um, Shizuka runs into a donut shop to use the restroom and she's transfixed by the owner named Lon, who runs it with her children and an aunt. And they tell people that they're Vietnamese refugees, but they're actually interstellar refugees who are using the giant plaster donut sculpture that's above the shop as a stargate. As one does. As one does. (laughs) So all of these stories intermingle um, together, and all three women have have some um, really giant stakes, um, whether they're in their personal lives or... uh, you know, supernatural. <laughs> um, and the way the ending um, plays out and talks about identity and music and and just the way that, that the author writes about that is so beautiful and, um, and really um, made me love this book. And it made me, I, I actually would really like to reread that chapter again, because it, it was, it was just so beautifully done. Um, and I, I confess that part of the reason I really enjoyed this is that I played violin in high school. And so the the language about about music is it it was really fun to kind of do a deep dive back into that world and there are all these amazing food descriptions and the sci-fi aspects are really easily understood or glossed over a little bit if you are me (laughs) um and so um there's just a lot to recommend with this book and i will say that there are some pretty graphic descriptions of sex work and so um that can be uh, a little bit upsetting to read um, if that is something that, that you're impacted by. And so um, um, just be aware of that. But the, the author is a trans woman who um, I think just has some really beautiful things to say about, about uh, her identity. So that is Light from Uncommon Stars by Raika Aoki. Yeah, I started this book uh, back in the summer and I was looking for a science fiction nomination because that's part of our committee uh, requirements mm-hmm. is you have to you know um, you have to nominate in every genre and as we all know science fiction isn't really my strong seat but I started reading it and it was good and I read probably a hundred maybe not quite a hundred maybe like 50 pages and I was reading and I was thinking is this science fiction I can't tell yeah, because some of the stuff that was going on didn't feel like science fiction so I set it aside uh, but it sounds good like it sounds I really liked what I read of it it was just one of those situations where I needed a 
I wanted to focus on something that I could potentially nominate. So I set it aside, yeah. but um, I'm glad to hear how good it is. And I, wa- I want to get back to it because it sounds intriguing. Yeah. All right. So mine is a book called Bullet Train by Kataro Isaka. And it takes place aboard a high-speed train traveling from Tokyo to Morioka. Morioka. So it obviously is takes place over a very short time span because you're on this train with these characters. And the story starts with a man boarding the train, determined to kill the teenager who pushed his six-year-old son off of a roof. And uh, the story kind of flashes back and forth between the hospital where this man has been with his son and then back to the current time on the train. So the teenager, however knew that the man was going to be on the train and and coming to find him and actually kind of like led him there. And so was able to get the jump on him and um, attacks him with a taser and incapacitates him. So that's sort of the first storyline. Simultaneously, there are two assassins on the train named Lemon and Tangerine who are on board (laughs) because they have been hired to free uh, the son of a violent mobster who has been kidnapped and they're supposed to travel with the son and the suitcase full of money that was the ransom. Or would that be the right phraseology? I think they're like the ransom. Yeah, the ransom. Anyway, uh, so. right. Yeah, I want to say ransom reward. I'm like, it's not a reward. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> anyway, and so um, they've been hired to travel with the son and the suitcase full of money to meet the mobster at his lake house or something like that. Then there's also this hitman who has been hired to steal the suitcase of the money back from these two. So all of these stories are all about people who are don't hesitate to use violent means to get what they need. And they're all on this train together. And the story keeps switching between the characters' individual storylines, like what they're supposed to be on the train doing. And then obviously you're on a train, it's confined space. They end up, their storylines end up merging because they interact with each other. Uh, so it is a very fast paced story. Um, and it, it, it there is there is some violence, as you would imagine, since we have a lot of trained assassins as part of this cast of characters. Um, so it's, it's very action-packed. It can be very violent. But there's also some humor and also some sort of observations of life and emotions that was sort of like surprisingly deep for what would you, I would consider kind of like a popcorn read, you know, where you mm-hmm. just read like an airport kind of book. Um, but it's apparently going to be made into a movie, um, I want to say with Brad Pitt, uh, oh, wow. And I can absolutely see this as a movie. It felt so cinematic to me. It almost felt like a Quentin Tarantino movie or something like that, mm-hmm. um, where there's that violent aspect, but kind of the humor aspect and lots of different storylines. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's really good. I it, And I, yeah, it was a surprise to me. I didn't know anything about it. So that is Bullet Train by Kataro Isaka. Is a bullet train or is a high-speed train always a bullet train? Excellent question. I don't know. Hmm. I mean, I would think so, but I don't know. Yeah. I know I've been on a high-speed train, but I wonder if it was a bullet, bullet train. train. I'd like to yeah. I'd like to go on a bullet train. Yeah. Well, maybe you've already been on one. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's go back and list up all the books we talked about today. Okay. I talked about The Maid by Nita Prose, Yerba Buena by Nita, Nina LaCour, Body and Soul Food by Abby Colette, and what I'm reading this week is Light from Uncommon Stars by Rika Aoki. And I talked about Olympus, Texas by Stacey Swan, Battle Royal by Lucy Parker, 
Infinite Country by Patricia Engel. And what I was reading this week is Bullet Train by Kataro Asaka. All right, so we are actually, we have a little bit of an announcement, kind of small announcement, but uh, <laughs> we are approaching our 100th episode uh, in just a few episodes from now. So we were thinking it might be fun to devote that episode to talking a little bit about kind of maybe some behind the scenes stuff or see if any of you all have questions for us that we could answer for you. Uh, we thought that might be a fun and special special thing to do for our 100th episode. So please, uh, you can reach out to us at wellreadpod at gmail.com or on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram at wellreadpodcast and message us with your questions or if you if there's something you would just like us to talk about that you um, have been wondering about or anything like that, just let us know and we'll we'll include it in our 100th episode. Um, Is this an AMA kind of situation? Ask us anything. Yeah, you could ask us for book recommendations or present well wait will it be before no it won't be before christmas right no i don't no. think it'll fall before christmas i was gonna say christmas yeah, I don't think suggestions so. i mean you could always ask us for book recommendations or gift suggestions we're happy yeah. to give those um but yeah it can be kind of anything ask us anything and then the other thing is two weeks from now is thanksgiving week uh so we are going to push back the recording of our next episode to three weeks from now. So uh, we are not going to record that holiday week, but you won't have to wait a full month for our next episode. So those were our two announcements. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, as always, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your other podcast provider of choice because it really helps people find us and find the show. Uh, our theme music is Kitten by Poddington Bear. We keep our show notes at wellreadpodcast.wordpress.com where you can find a listing of everything about in this and every episode and thank you all for listening and happy reading. Bye.